everybody, and welcome to another brand new episode of T Watches a Scary Movie. My name is T, and of course, we are talking some scary movies. I appreciate y'all tuning in for another brand new episode. Remember, new episodes go up every Wednesday at 8.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, both on YouTube and on Podbean. You can find us on YouTube just by going to youtube.com slash C slash Theron Reynolds Scary Movie. Again, youtube.com slash C slash Theron Reynolds Scary Movie, or just search T Watches a Scary Movie. And if you find us on, on Podbean, <clears throat> that is the audio-only version. I am still trying to get us up on iTunes and Spotify. We're close. We're super close, y'all. So, uh, we just finished up our big horror movie marathon of the spooky season it's our second one we've done first one we've done together because remember i started this show in 2020 because we were all locked at home nothing to do i said fuck it i've been wanting to do a podcast for a while so i documented all the movies that i watched leading up from september till october 31st we didn't do as many in the first year Uh, i believe it was 150 i want to say it was 152 My goal was 175. We easily bypassed that this year, and our final count was 205 movies. We ended things off with classics, uh, The Faculty. We watched uh, Urban Legend. We watched Eight-Legged Freaks. And we watched a new one, Paranormal Activity Next of Kin, which we're actually going to be talking about tonight as well, too. I appreciate y'all joining me. We even did an all-nighter for the Chucky movies, which is fantastic. A lot of fun having y'all join for a bunch of different movies throughout the season. Now, with that being said, we are going to do another all-nighter sometime in December, okay? So I figure if we do them kind of like every two to three months, that gives y'all enough time to kind of get things in order for yourselves and be ready to go. So December. We are looking at doing another all-nighter, and I'll have info on that for y'all in a couple weeks or so here. But tonight, what are we talking about tonight? We have so much stuff I wanted to go over, and I realize we had a lot to talk about, so we're only going to talk about a little bit here, and we'll move on after that. Uh, For starters, uh, we've gotten back into our weekly watch parties. Right now, we're doing television. So tonight, you've already been watching a few shows with us. We're going to do that next, uh, the next few weeks as well. It's because we've watched so many horror movies together. I want to take a little bit of a break from that. Now, again, only a couple weeks. This week and next week, we'll just be doing TV watch parties. The week after that, we're going to get back to some movies. We're going to incorporate Spell and Bones as well, too. Um, I had a lot of fun watching Spell recently off a recommendation from a friend, and I'm so excited to talk to y'all about that one. But we got a lot of TV coming up to talk about. Dexter New Blood premieres this coming Sunday on Showtime. Yes, the newest season of Dexter is finally here and ready to go. And yes, if you're wondering, we are watching that together. If you're in the watch party next Wednesday, you're going to be able to catch the first episode of Dexter New Blood, and we're going to keep it going week after week. But I had to think about, well, what are we talking about this time? We've been talking about just our marathons the last couple months here. I kind of want to rope things back in. And one of the things I've been watching recently was Sci-Fi Channel's new adaptation of Day of the Dead. If you haven't been paying attention, it was announced uh, late last year that the Sci-Fi Channel would be putting their own spin on uh, the Day of the Dead story. It'd be a TV show coming to Sci-Fi. And we actually got the premiere uh, a couple of weeks ago, along the same time that Chucky did. And I've been keeping up with it, but it's been hard. It's been hard, man, and that's kind of what I want to talk about first is uh, whether or not this show is a bit of dead-on arrival. Now, 
if you've ta- heard me talk about it before, I've mentioned that the Day of the Dead film is my hands-down favorite zombie movie. There's a lot that come close. Obviously, I love the original Dawn of the Dead. love the remake of Dawn of the Dead. I'm a huge, huge fan of Tom Savini's Night of the Living Dead remake. There's a lot of really good zombie movies that are out there, but Day of the Dead was already always up on that pedestal for me, okay? And when Sci-Fi was announcing a TV show, I'm going to be honest, I was not too hopeful because it's the Sci-Fi channel, and a lot of times their stuff doesn't really work out with the best of quality. So I didn't really have much to trust here that it was actually going to work out the right way. And unfortunately, I'm still kind of in that mindset three episodes in. The characters aren't really that engaging or gripping, honestly. Like, I don't see myself in them. And most of them really aren't that likable, honestly. Um, we split up the various groups. A lot of people still don't even know that zombies are happening right now. Um, <clears throat> we have the uh, the mayor's son and uh, his friend who was going off to a party in the woods after they just got done bullying the son of uh, a local, local cop in town or sheriff, whatever it is now. Um, that cop ended up getting his fingers bitten off by a zombie that was hidden in this fracking project. And it does seem like that, uh, that cop is going to end up being our bub of the series, which is funny because Rhodes is the one who got bubbed down there in the first place. And the series I feel doesn't know what it wants to be. Like I actually was looking at a commercial for it last night while I was watching the new episode of Chucky episode four. And they actually like they're um, advertising it as you've seen what zombies can do in the night. What happens when they're when they're attacking in the day. And I get the idea there is they're capitalizing on the name day of the dead, capitalizing on what you know about night of the living dead. But honestly, I feel that's more of a shot at shows like uh, The Walking Dead, which I don't like The Walking Dead, but it felt like a shot at a show like that, basically saying, oh, all the creepy stuff happens at night. What happens when it happens that day? Because Day of the Dead is predominantly set on the same day uh, thus far in these three episodes. I think it's just the course of this one day, everything that's happening across that, which I like that aspect of it. Make the whole season 24 style and just tell us what's happening in this one day across this like eight episode season, 10 episode season. I don't know how many episodes it's gonna get. I do like that, but the characters aren't engaging. And it also doesn't help that we don't know any rules about the zombies. And I understand these characters don't know any rules about them either. They've acknowledged that zombies are a thing, which is very interesting because I've talked about in the past that zombies are one of those monsters that if you see a monster movie, they don't exist. If you're in a vampire movie, you know about vampires. Someone's like, yeah, it's crosses, it's silvers, it's steak, it's sunlight, garlic, all that kind of stuff. You're in a werewolf movie, silver bullets, that'll get them. Light of the full moon, watch out. They know about those as well too, and so on. But zombies are one of the one of the only mediums to where folks like act like they don't know what a zombie is. So refreshing, the Day of the Dead doesn't try to hit us with that, and that characters are aware of zombies. Zombies do exist in the pop culture of this show, so we're not missing anything with that. But we just don't know enough about them. Nothing is seemingly killing them. They seem a lot like the Return of the Dead, living zombies, to where headshots aren't doing it, decapitation isn't doing it. They can't talk, but. They seemingly are a little bit smarter than what they should be. So uh, right now, I'm not really enjoying that. It's also taking a bit of like a walking dead approach to where everybody is already infected. Spoiler alert, everybody seems to be already infected. Basically, if you die, you become a zombie, which we saw as the, uh, the mayor's husband accidentally killed a protester. And then that protester turned into a zombie once they try to plant him at the hospital. 
So I don't know what this show needs to do. Um, is it the production value? Because sci-fi shows typically don't have the highest dollar amount when it comes to like their TV shows and everything. That could be part of it, but I really don't think so. I think a lot of it is the writing that I'm hoping will get better because all of these characters are annoying as hell. None of them are really fun to kind of be behind. They all have good qualities, they all have bad qualities, and it's making it hard to really find anybody to support in this show. So who knows? Maybe it'll get better as it goes along. I'm going to keep watching it in the hope that it does, but thus far, I haven't been too, too impressed with the Day of the Dead TV show. Fingers crossed it gets better. All right. So, new movie-wise, as I mentioned, on Halloween, one of the films we watched to kind of wrap up our movie marathon was the next entry in the Paranormal Activity series, Paranormal Activity Next of Ken. Now, if you're not somebody who watches the Paranormal Activity series, keep in mind, this series started back in 2007 with the original film, and since then, they've made six other movies between 2007 and 2015. So they've taken the last six years off to get a new movie out here. Now, if you watch all the other ones, there's a bit of a cohesive connective tissue between all of them. You know, there's a specific couple of families that we're focusing on, and whether the narrative of the movie is focused on that family, we end up back with them at one point or another. So that's the one thing that, as much as I didn't like the film series up to now, um, did wisely was that everything kind of still stayed focused on these two families, basically. That's a good, uh, that was a good idea. It doesn't add that much confusion to it. It's easy for folks to just pick up a random film and kind of get into it. Now, I'm not a fan of most of the Paranormal Activity series. I love what they did because I love found footage movies and the concept of the way they've done all these, especially the fact that they show how the technology changes amongst all of them because some of these films are, were set like in present day when they were released. Some of these films are set, you know, decades ago from when it was released as well too. And I love the fact that each movie gives you the different type of filming in it based on which era that we're in. That's ingenious. And even the first movie, which I'm not a big fan of, it was a calculated risk not to show the demon that's terrorizing the family. You know, it's just shadows, it's blankets over things, it's people getting dragged around, marks on your body, things like that. But we don't actually get to see the demon. The scariest parts we usually see in both the first movie and a lot of the other movies are characters that end up getting possessed, you know, white eyes, black eyes, like they look creepy, but we're not really getting much from the demon itself. The idea was that once you get possessed, then things really get scary. And that works on certain people. And I don't blame anybody that does enjoy these films. I know my boy Eric Brady absolutely loves the Paranormal Activity series. And there are some really good scares in it as well, too. But as a whole, I always found it to be on the lacking side. Um, the ones I like were a little bit more like action, uh, like fast-paced or action-paced, whatever you want to call it. I believe it was The Ghost Dimension, which had the random kids who find out all about uh, this other family and kind of get involved with that later on. I think it's Ghost Dimension. It's either that or it's the marked ones. Either one of those I thought was really good, but the other ones, eh. So I didn't really know um, what to think here. I honestly didn't know uh, what really I, I, I would be looking at with this next film. I wasn't excited. You know, Eric Brady talked about it a lot. Hey, new Paranormal Activity movie is coming out. I was like, eh. The fact that it's also coming to Paramount Plus didn't seem too good of a mark for it either because it's a low-budget horror film. It is a low, like the, like, well, 
I don't mean as in it, like it's an indie film, but it's not like the budget on these films is super, super high. Uh, matter of fact, like let's kind of talk about that here. Like the first Paranormal Activity, that was done for a budget of $215,000. Uh, you add another fifteen for production, so about $230,000. That's cheap. And that movie went on to make almost $200 million. Paranormal Activity 2, the budget on that one went up to $3 million. So they kept going up a little bit. But it's not like these films are that expensive to produce. So even right now, while we're still in, like, kind of coming in, like, we're still in a pandemic, so I'm scared to say post-pandemic world. But in the world we're in right now, a film like this probably still could have been very profitable being released to theaters. Because especially the fact that we're in October, uh, Halloween Kills did fantastic both on Peacock and in theaters. So clearly folks will go see horror in both fronts there. So I do wish this would have gotten a theatrical release, especially after seeing it. Now, the story of Paranormal Activity actually goes completely away from uh, the other stories. There is a pretty big connection in terms of the demon that's featured in this story here. But outside of that demon, we don't really have much to do with the other uh, other films in the series. And I think that's a smart idea because the folks who like the Paranormal Activity series have kept up with those story threads that have come from each, each film. And unfortunately, one of the problems with this series is that they have to keep retconning stuff. So like with each subsequent entry, it's like you learn something more about like the family and the characters and the demon within it. And oh my God, this person... I lost my train of thought. Oh my God. Like, and it's like, is this person uh, showing up now that was in that other movie? And like, you have to like find all these other threads, which really just don't make a lot of sense. And they get annoying more than anything else. So I'm glad they chose to just start completely fresh and tell the story of Margot, who uh, was put up for adoption. Basically she was abandoned by her mother and it's her trying to finally find out something about her family something about her background why was she abandoned why was she given up where does she come from tell her a little bit about herself and that puts margo into communication with a character named sam now sam is a young man who comes from an amish community uh he was raised amish but he's aware of sarah's of uh excuse me of margo's mother whose name is sarah and is basically trying to help her learn a little bit about her background her family and to get a little bit more about her identity. So Sam and Margo meet up and they decide that they're going to take Margo and her friend, uh, Margo and her boyfriend, Chris, along with their new audio technician, Dale, to this Amish community that Samuel grew up in and that uh, Margo's mom came from to see if they could find out more information on who Margo is, who her mom was, everything about that. Now, right off the back, uh, we got a really, really good introduction to these characters so the way that the characters are really introduced is really cool. Um, so Samuel shows up. He takes Margo, Chris, and Dale to this community. They're kind of turned away right off the jump. We're not really explained to why Samuel very clearly didn't establish, you know, why they were coming there. And right off the jump, we kind of feel something sinister is going on based on how secluded this town is. And again, it's an Amish town. Anytime we see a town that's very religious in a horror film, we usually know it can't be that good. We then go to where um, uh, one of the kids, one of Samuel's siblings, actually shows up at a nearby hotel that Margot, Chris, Dale, and Samuel are staying at, and they have to take the kid back, and then they're given permission to stay at this community and kind of find out a little bit more about Margot's family's background, the community's background, things like that. Now, 
over the course of the coming days, uh, the, the group continues to film everything that's going on. Um, they have better camera, better technology, because this is pretty much set in present day here. But they're trying to find out more and more about what happened. Why did uh, Margot's mom, Sarah, give her away? Where did she come from? All this information I've already kind of said here a little bit. And things start to get more and more sinister. For example, uh, at one point there, one of the nights, they look out and they see what looks to be glowing red lights coming from further off in the woods. And seeing how these people don't believe really in electricity, phones, things like that, it seems a little bit awkward, but they don't really focus too much on that. At another time when their generator mysteriously gets cut off, um, uh, Chris, Margot's boyfriend, who's investigating the generator, finds a random child wandering around near it without wearing any shoes. Again, something very weird. They also end up uh, finding this abandoned church in the middle of this community that's like kind of barricaded up. It has some kind of German words written on it, warning folks to stay out of it as well too. And we do slowly start to find out that something more sinister is at work. There is a sacrifice of a two-headed goat or lamb. Um, they get into the church and see what looks to be blood kind of around in the church and a gaping hole that they do try to investigate to find out what's going on in there as well too. And because the movie just came out, I don't want to spoil a lot about it, but what I will say is that myself and a lot of you that joined up in the watch party came off feeling very much like this new entry of paranormal activity was more in kin with Blair Witch, with the Blair Witch series. You know, we have three movies, Blair Witch, Blair Witch 2, Book of Shadows, and then of course Blair Witch that came out, you know, about six years back or so. And I have to agree, there is a definite difference in tone and feel and the scares coming from this Paranormal Activity movie from the previous ones. And it definitely doesn't seem like it's in the right series. And I say that all that positively because as somebody who wasn't a big fan of the other Paranormal Activity movies, I was getting kind of tired of those same scares happening over and over. I wanted something different. And this movie is incredibly different from the other paranormal activity movies for sure. It really does seem to lend itself more into a story that would be more fitting in the Blair Witch uh, series. And if you watch it, you'll understand what I mean by that. Now, the other thing is that our characters make smart decisions, which is also very refreshing. One thing that was annoying about the characters in the other series was that we always kind of felt leave it's like poltergeist get the fuck out of the house there you know something's up you know something's wrong get gone go to a church figure something out don't stay there and the increasingly uh, larger stupidity of characters keeping them in the same place was just annoying here our characters really go through like the smart ideals with this they're secluded and they're 30 miles away at minimum from any kind of like civilization so they can't just leave especially when it's winter and it's snowing almost the entire time which adds a set of tension to this story as well too now without getting into spoiler territory we then get our final kind of twist coming up when chris and dale leave to go back to town to get a new battery for their van and the, the ride that they get, the person that gives them the ride lets them know that the town they're in isn't Amish. That there's a bunch of other Amish communities kind of in the area. And this town to where Margot, Chris, Dale, and Samuel are at, they are not actually Amish. Which immediately puts a cloud over everything that's going on. Now, again, I have to say it. I don't want to spoil this because I actually really enjoyed this movie. And it only came out a week ago. So I can't really like spoil that here on the show. You know the 10-year ten, ten rule. But I would highly recommend checking out Paranormal Activity next to Ken on Paramount Plus because it is 
phenomenal in my opinion. Um, it's one that I definitely think I'll go go back to. And the last 25 minutes or so of that movie are intense as hell. There are people on fire. There are people missing eyes. There's demons fucking killing people. There's a good, uh, there, there's a very fun trap that they run back to. They mentioned at the beginning of the movie, there's so much fun in those last 25 minutes. You definitely want to make sure you check it out when you get the chance. So to finish things up, now we got to talk about episodes three and four of Chucky. I didn't do an episode last week to cover episode three because, folks, I was just getting back from Orlando and I had to work Fan Expo here in Denver. I was tired. I didn't have the time for it. So you get a double dose of Chucky here. We're going to try to keep it short. Now, if you recall, episode two left off with, uh, uh, with our main character sitting around with Chucky and Chucky trying to push Jake to actually go and kill his nemesis, Lexi. Remember, Jake just left Lexi's party to where Lexi was uh, making fun of Jake's dad by dressing up in a uh, uh, by dressing up as Jake's dad being electrocuted and kind of just kind of, you know, shaking around and stuff. It was incredibly, incredibly insensitive and mean. And you couldn't blame Jake in that moment for giving in to Chucky's temptation and saying, yep, we should kill Lexi. Now, Jake's not at that precipice yet to where he's ready to actually kill somebody. So, of course, Chucky makes it easy for him, basically says, look, just tell me to do it. I'll take over from there. And so Chucky gets sent off to Lexi's house to basically take care of Lexi. And the rest of the episode, we're trying to find out when is Chucky going to pop up at this party and cause some havoc. Now, all the key players are there at Lexi's house party, all right? We know Lexi and her sister are obviously there. Junior's there, Lexi's boyfriend, but who else is there? Oliver, 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 who we're led to believe that Lexi has been cheating on Junior with Oliver. But of course, both guys are there and they're still fighting over Lexi's attention at this party while Chucky is waiting in the wings. What's so great about this series though is that we're used to seeing how Chucky can manipulate adults and kind of move adults around to do what he's trying to get them to do. And yeah, we saw in the first three uh, Child's Play films how Chucky was able to kind of manipulate Andy some in the first uh, first movie and then manipulate Tyler in Child's Play 3. Um, but Andy and Tyler are both really, really on the young age to where we get that they might not be able to pick that up. They might not have the capacity, not because they're dumb, but because they don't know what manipulation is and how that works yet. It's refreshing to see characters like Jake and Lexi and Devin and even Junior somehow having these interactions with Chucky because they're old enough to where they can understand that this doll probably doesn't have their best intentions, but then they start seeing through some of that bullshit as well too. And coming from Jake's circumstances, you can understand that he's not really knowing what he should actually do here. He lost his mom. He lost his dad. He's staying with a family that he doesn't feel really wants them. He's being bullied all around at his school and his crush doesn't know that he's his crush. So we can understand that Jake might be easily pushed into telling Chucky, look, kill Lexi. Let's get done here. Okay. And it's, it's interesting. It's so cool to see that going on because again, Chucky shows he's not just dangerous by, uh, uh, by killing folks that he can his words are just as dangerous as well too and we also keep learning more about the past of charles lee ray and we see that chucky's very first kill was at home a uh, home intruder breaks in and murders his father and then when chucky's mom takes him to go and hide chucky kills his mom and the murderer lets him free we are loving these chucky flashbacks 
Don Mancini, you are doing a killer, killer job showing us the background of Charles Lee Ray because that's one thing we didn't really have. Cult of Chucky and Curse of Chucky gave a bit more of the background on Charles Lee Ray itself and even a little bit here like in Bride of Chucky too. But we're getting so deep into information we've never even gleaned before that it's cool to see the way this is all set up and none of it seems hokey. That can see, that can be the way that it seems in a lot of the prequels and uh, prequel information we get. I know a lot of people weren't a fan of the Night of Nightmare on Elm Street remake that showed a lot more of Freddy before he became Freddy. Folks weren't really jiving with that too well. But everything we're seeing about Chucky so far seems really fucking cool, honestly. So kudos to Don Mancini for giving us some good backstory. And that leads us to episode four. We leave off episode three with a huge, huge incident going down. Multiple people are affected. People are dead. Chucky is missing. And Jake is in the hot seat as more and more all these incidents happening around uh, happening around town are really leading to Jake being the person behind all of this. We know it's not. We know it's Chucky. But the authorities don't know that. So episode four really deals with the, with the fallout of Lexi's party. And now, now all eyes are pointing to Jake. Everybody's starting to think that Jake might have a hand in these various murders that are happening. And unfortunately, there's not a lot that's really clear in Jake's name for being considered a suspect. Lexi also is now very much aware of Chucky and who like uh, that this is an actual doll going around and murdering people. So whether Jake likes it or not, he may have a new ally in his once nemesis Lexi to help him escape from the clutches of Chucky. And we get a little bit more with the adults here as Devin's mom, who is the detective in investigating all these murders around town, gets more involved with the other parents as more suspicion is passed around amongst all the kids. And she still tries to take an active role protecting her son from what she feels is a terrible influencing relationship from Jake, who very well might be a murderer to her knowledge. I love the the dichotomy of this episode and all the all the people they kind of paired off because what we're used to right now is Jake is paired off with Chucky typically or Jake is paired off with Devin. Jake being paired off with Lexi for most of this episode was so fucking intriguing and cool because again they're forced to work together they're forced to team up at this point remember Jake wanted her dead Jake absolutely wanted Lexi dead and he still might want Lexi dead uh, there's a really really great scene and man it speaks to how good these kids are like don mancini and uh, found some really good kids to fill these roles here because there's a conversation at lexi's house between jake and lexi played by zachary arthur and olivia allen lynn that talks about how jake's life has been absolutely miserable for the longest time he doesn't know when the last time he's been happy and lexi kind of tries to play the blame game that look you're the one being bullied you should have told me that and i would have backed off and we get it because she, she says the magic words. I'm not a mind reader. And we get that stupid. But at the same time, you hear that in relationships all the time. You got to tell me what you want. I'm not a mind reader. So to have uh, Lexi say that to him, it's like, well, crap. She's kind of right in that sense there. Like she shouldn't be bullying Jake, but Jake's also got to be able to stand up for himself as well too. But then that pushes the issue even more as Jake goes right back to thinking, well, fuck. Like, I'm still actually mad at you. You're a terrible person who's bullied me. You've made fun of my dead father now as well, too. You're not exactly great to Junior. There are some serious issues here. We're not just suddenly okay because you know about Chucky. We still got issues at this point. And the tension that they built between Jake having to make a choice 
again, because this is another time of it happening, Jake having to make a choice of whether Lexi would live or die with Chucky just kind of hanging in the wings, sending that influence was done so well. But without spoiling anything, because I know we're watching it, we were left in episode four here not knowing what all of our adult characters think because there was another murder at the hospital and the circumstances of it make it pretty impossible that Jake was the one behind it. So in the next episode, are we going to start getting folks realizing that our hero is not the one behind everything going on? We don't know, but remember, Tiffany, Nika, Alex, uh, Andy, and Kyle, none of them have shown their faces yet here in town and because they have not shown their faces here in town as of yet we know they are right here they are ready to go and show up and it's going to be so so awesome when it finally happens folks so that's going to do it we've talked day of the dead we've talked paranormal activity and we've talked chucky i want to hear your thoughts on the first four episodes of chucky so far did you watch paranormal activity next of kin yet what do you think of Day of the Dead? Tell me in the comment section. Let's talk about it there. Please make sure to like, to subscribe, and share this as well, too. If you're liking what you're hearing, let me know what you want me to talk about, folks. We got some great stuff coming up here over the next month. But that's going to do it for us. Make sure to go to the Facebook group so you can find out about our watch parties. That's facebook.com slash groups slash movie. Again. Facebook.com slash groups slash T Scary Movies. I'm T. We've been talking scary movies. Stay scared.